0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold God in the face of Christ. On today's program, we'll see how Abraham's servant was giving an overwhelming task, but he stepped out in faith, prayed and trusted God with the outcome and saw his prayers answered in miraculous ways. now, here is part two of Cheryl's message titled, The Good Will of God.
1: Dave and Nancy Sylvester, who live in York, England, um, by a miracle... He was walking the walls of the city. They didn't have a church, but he felt like the Lord was telling him, start a church, plant a church in York, England. And he came to the gatehouse in England, and he saw that there was some construction. So he goes in, he said, what's going on? And they said, oh, well, we're fixing it up. The council wants to rent it out. And he said, well, how much? They said, go to the council office. Well, Dave has no money at all, but he goes to the council office and he says, um, I'm interested in renting it, how much? And they said, 2,000 pounds. And he said, oh, I can't afford it. And they said, a year. For the full year, only 2,000 pounds. He said, well, well, I wanna put my name on the list of people who want it. So he put his name on the list, just trusting that the Lord would provide 2,000 pounds. I mean, that's a basic rent of but it's for the full year. So he puts his name on the list. Um, in the meantime, this church in America gives him 2,000 pounds. Said, so the Lord just put it on our heart. So he's got 2,000 pounds. Finds out he's the only person who put his name on the list. It goes to him. They they want to start. But for the first time ever, a truck hits. It's, it's a gate that goes in and out of York, the main entrance in and out of York, hits one of the pillars. So they can't go in it because they have to make it stronger. But the newspapers come out. So now Dave's got free advertisement about his church. They interview him. What are you doing? What's going on? Well, everyone's invited in York to come to church because this is what we believe. And they write it all down. So now he's got this church. He's got this building. But they need to move to York. They've been living in this little one-room house with three of their children. They decide to move to York, and this is what happens. They go to the litting office, and they said, well, we don't have any um, lits right now, but this is what we do have. There's this man who's gonna sell his house, but it doesn't look like it's gonna go through. Maybe go talk to him. They go to talk to him. He's an 80-year-old missionary. He doesn't wanna sell it to the people he's selling it. When he sees David and Nancy, he says, I wanna sell it to you. I'll tell you what. You just pay me rent, and I'll make it count for um, a down payment and for buying the house. And he said, and not only that, I have a library that I can't use. Uh, Would you like some Christian books? Dave is ecstatic, because that's his language of love books. And he says, and they have a piano I can't take with me. Nancy had left her piano in Arizona to go on the mission field. This is the piano that God gives her. They are ecstatic. So now they've got a house. They've got a place, but you know what? there's a problem. They don't have any chairs. And I remember being at a conference in Hungary and Dave's going, I know we have everything, but we don't have chairs. And I remember saying to him, Dave, God has given you a house. He's given you books. He's given you a piano. He's given you a place. He's not gonna stop at the chairs. Well, the next day we come downstairs. He's got one of those smug looks that only men can have, you know. I'm like, you've got the chairs. And he shakes his head, yes. This is what God did. A country club calls up. How they got Nancy's phone number, Nancy doesn't even know to this day, and says, look, we've got all these chairs. We heard your church. We heard you need chairs. We can sell them to you for a pound apiece. They're brand new. They're just the wrong fabric. And she said, great. How many? And they said, 75 chairs. She has exactly 75 pounds in her bank account. She goes, and the lady says, oh, by the way, we, we counted wrong. There's 150 Nancy keeps writing the check knowing there's not 150. And she's thinking, well, God, you can multiply. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but maybe by the time this goes through. And the lady looks at her and says, what are you doing? She says, I'm writing a check. She says, no, they've already been paid for. To this day, Dave and Nancy do not know how those chairs were paid for. There's so much more, but I just remember, God's not gonna stop. He's not gonna stop short of fulfilling all of his promises. In the Bible, he's not going to stop short, having come this far. And this is what Abraham bases his confidence on. God has kept his word thus far. He's not going to stop now. But he says to the servant, if the woman is unwilling, then you're released from this obligation. So the servant sets out after his oath to Abraham. He takes ten of Abraham's camels, he takes supplies and a treasury of gifts. And he arrives in Nahor. And he has the camels kneel down to rest and he begins to pray to God. Now, this is what my dad would call a directive prayer. A directed prayer. My dad said not to pray this way, but it worked for this guy, so I've tried it myself. And he says, Lord, will you reveal the right woman to me by having her volunteer to water the camels? That is quite an undertaking. Now, I know what it says in our little book of how much water a camel can drink, but on the internet, on Fact Check, it said that camels can drink 53 gallons of water in three minutes. Multiply that by 10 camels, 10 camels, 53 gallons each, and you've got 530 gallons. One gallon of water uh, weighs 10 pounds. So do you realize what this servant is actually praying for? Lord, give me a robust, strong, willing to work hard for no visible reward, hospitable and caring woman for my master's son. He's not asking for beauty, is he? Lord, give me beautiful, great figure, good eyes no robust strong willing to work hard for no visible reward hospitable and caring tell <laughs> you my aunt who was a pastor it's on my mom's side so she's got all the you know whatever but my aunt was a pastor and she went out on a call this man had lost his wife and she went to the house to you know minister to him And, you know, she said, you know, I'm so sorry about sister so-and-so, but she's in glory. The man just put his head down and shook it from right to left and said, I'm going to miss that woman. She was a hard worker. My aunt said she just got up and left the house. (laughs) This is a lot of trips to the well. It's quite a few bucketfuls. But when the servant is still silently praying, here comes beautiful Rebecca with her pitcher on her shoulder to draw water. The servant runs to her and asks for a drink. Not only does she give his servant the drink, but then she volunteers to fill the trough with water for the thirsty camels. Now the servant remains quiet till he can ascertain who this young girl is. I don't know what his thinking process is. Uh, maybe the girls here in Nahor are really nice and love camels. But he immediately rewards the girl for her service with a nose ring and bracelets. Then inquires if there is lodging at her house. At that moment, she reveals that she is the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Nahor, after whom the city is named. I think she's saying, oh, I'm a person of, of you know interest. My grandfather is the one who founded this city. And yes, there is lodging at our house. At this word, the servant realizes how faithful God has been to him. And he bows his head and right there in the center of town by the well, he begins to worship. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord Led me to the house of my master's brethren. The Lord got me right here where I am supposed to be. Not only was God faithful to Abraham, but he had been absolutely faithful to Abraham's servant right in the very, so to speak, driveway of Rebecca's house. Rebecca runs home, informs her family of all that has taken place, and her brother Laban, seen I love this man, seeing the ring in her nose. Whoa, where'd you get that nose ring? And seeing the bracelets and then hearing the story of God's providence, runs out to meet the servant of Abraham himself and invites the whole entourage to the house. At dinner, the servant refuses to eat until he shares the whole story, the testimony, and receives the answer from Rebecca's family concerning the success of his mission. The family sees God's hand in all the workings. They agree to let Rebecca be the wife of Abraham's son. And at that point, the servant opens up his treasury and gives Rachel a change of clothes, more jewelry. And it's only a foretaste of her new identity and the blessings, the prestige, and the wealth that will come as Isaac's wife. He also enriches Laban and Rebecca's mother with gold and silver when they are willing to let her go about 24 years ago 1996 when the lord spoke to Brian and I that we were to move to England one of the hardest things to do was to tell my parents that the lord was leading us to England one of the hardest things for my dad to ever hear was that the lord was leading us to England he said he didn't mind Brian going to England it was it was me and and the grandkids but i remember my mom just sobbing, just breaking down and sobbing. And she called me um, Sunday morning before church and she was just crying. And she said, Cheryl, I have been praying for England for 10 years and I've been praying and interceding. I just never knew there would be a personal cost to my prayers. But I remember she said, don't let my tears stop you from doing the will of the Lord. Don't let my, you know, please or my crying but this is my mom. She used to have a box of cease candy. She would take a piece and then she would hand me the box and she said, take it away, hide it, and don't give it back to me even if I yell or scream. (laughs) She would do that quite a bit. It didn't matter if it was ice cream or whatever. Take it away and don't give it back to me even if I yell or scream. So she was saying to me, even if I yell and scream, don't stop from doing the will of the Lord. A few days later, I read this passage. It was in my personal devotions. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Cheryl, I'm going to reward your mom and your dad for allowing you to go. I have a gift for them if, if and when and as they are willing to release you and Brian to my service. And I told that to my mom. I called her up and I said, this is what the Lord just showed me for you. And I remember what she said. She said, I don't like that. <laughs> it might be true, but I don't like that. And I, right now I'm not in a place to receive it. I told you, you can go, that should be enough. And I said, even if I yell and scream, you still have to go, but I don't wanna hear that. But I remember I had been in England for about six months and what happened is I was just at that point saying, Lord, I miss my mom so much. I just really miss my mom. And the phone rang right then, like before I finished my prayer, the phone rang. And I hear, Cheryl, is this you? And I'm like, mom, she said, I saw this, these random numbers that your dad had written out on a piece of paper. And I thought, I wonder if that's Sherry. Don't ever call me that. That's her private name for me. And she said, so I just punched them in the phone and it is. And I said, mom, at this very moment, I was just crying to the Lord, telling him how much I missed you. And she said, oh, isn't he so good? And I said, yes. She said, and remember that thing that you told me about Rebecca? And I said, yes. She goes, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. She said, you know, my time with the Lord has been so precious and he's been giving me so many insights in his word, new insights, precious insights that I wouldn't trade for anything. And she said, he really does reward the one who is willing to give him everything. Never forget that conversation. The next morning, Rebecca's family tries to persuade the servant to stay another 10 days. I don't know if they yelled or screamed. He refuses. He wants to hasten back to his master. No doubt he is so excited at the prosperity, the immediacy, and answer to Abraham's commission. He wants to do this as fast as possible. Maybe even got the camel's back within 20 days on the way back. They ask Rebecca what she wants. And she says, I will go. And they send her off with a maid, which would have been more like a girlfriend, and a blessing. Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate him. Rebecca goes the long journey to a land far away. It is indeed a great commitment for Rebecca. As a woman, it means that she most probably will never ever see any of her relatives again. She's going to an unknown place to live in a tent, not a house. She's going to an unknown bridegroom and she's going on the testimony of the servant of Abraham. Perhaps because she recognizes the hand of the Lord on Abraham's life, because the Lord has been preparing her for this day, or because she loves the testimony that includes her. To find out that she is part of God's story and that she has been chosen by God, called by God, and sought out by God. Rebecca goes, and as she arrives, there's no doubt a company of servants and people. Abraham had over 300 trained servants in his household, and they're milling million about. But as she looks up, there's this, my own imagination kicks in here, devastatingly handsome man coming over the hills And all of these men look like nothing. And she turns to the servant. And no doubt, don't you know on this whole journey, she's like, what's he like? What's he look like? What's he talk like? What's his favorite thing to eat? You know, what's his favorite song? What's his favorite band? She's asking all the questions about Isaac to the servant, finding out all about Isaac. And now she sees. And she says, uh, to quote my granddaughter, ooh la la. (laughs) And who is that? Not who are any of these? Is he among these? But who's that? And he says, that's Isaac. That's my master's son. And immediately she puts the veil over her face, signaling that she agrees to this marriage. Now, I find it ironic that she went without knowing what Isaac looked like. And now Isaac is gonna have to marry her without knowing what she looks like. (laughs) Isaac as part of the marriage ceremony, takes Rebecca into his mother's tent. It is respectful. And by doing so, he's conferring to Rebecca all the esteem, respect, and position of Sarah, who had been the matriarch of the family and the covenant wife of Abraham, and heir to all the promises of God. Now, Rebecca will be the matriarch of this family and the heiress to all the promises of God and the wife of the covenant. The final note of chapter 24 is that Isaac loved Rebekah and that he was comforted by Rebekah from his mother's death. Here is a chapter ultimately about trusting God. Abraham trusts God and therefore entrusts God's will to his servant. The servant trusts God to show him the right wife for Isaac Bethuel and his wife and his son Laban entrust Rebekah to the servant. And Rebekah entrusts her life and future to the servant of Abraham and ultimately to Isaac. And what unfolds because of the trust and faith is the ultimate e-harmony story. <laughs> Rich with suspense, will the servant find the right girl? Will the right girl be willing Will Rebecca be attracted to Isaac? Will Isaac love Rebecca? The story of wealth. The servant is entrusted with riches, and the servant bestows the riches on Rebecca and her family. It's a story of enrichment. Rebecca's life is enriched by being in the lineage of the chosen of God. Rebecca's family is enriched with the gold and treasury that God has given to Abraham. The servant's faith is enriched as he sees that God not only meets Abraham with the promises, but also the servant. And Abraham's family is enriched with a robust, strong, willing to care for animals, beautiful woman. And Isaac is enriched with a godly wife that he loves. It's a story of divine encounters when you trust the Lord, that the right place, the right time, the right person, the right word, the right action, and the right confirmation happens. The servant goes in the right direction. The servant meets Rebecca of all the girls in the area. The family meets the head servant of Abraham, their relative. Rebecca sees Isaac coming up from the field and is immediately attracted. It's a story filled with typology. Abraham, like the heavenly father, entrusts the Holy Spirit who is in charge of the operations of all of God's house to find the bride for his son, Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who is now preparing the church to be the bride of Jesus. The church, like Rebecca, is not an Israelite. She must be sought out and found, and she must be willing to leave all that she knows, all that is familiar, and marry the one she has only heard the witness of. It's a story rich in testimony. God is faithful to his word, to his promises, to his own, to his servants. God is faithful to lead, prepare, answer, prosper, work, bring success, and bless. This story reminds us that God is absolutely faithful when we trust and entrust even the most delicate matters to him. I know many believers who are willing to entrust certain things to God, but keep others in their back pocket. I've had people say to me, well, you know, Cheryl, I've I've given God a good 50%, but I, I just kind of think that this other 50%, I might be able to do a little better than God. I think of... When Jesus gave the talents to the servants, to the one, he gave the 10 to the other, the five. The one, the one. And the 10 gave it all back. He spent it on his master and he was enriched. But the one who hid what he was given, he was rebuked. He didn't trust the master. He didn't trust, he didn't use what the master had given him. My dad used to love the hymn, Like a River Glorious, And in that hymn is a line that says, those who trust him wholly find him wholly true. It is that full trust, that full investment that will bring back the greatest dividends. Your blessings are directly related to how much you invest. The more God is allowed to lead, the more he will lead us into his good will. God won't force you to give it all to him. For some of us and for most of us, it is a progressive submission. Personally, I'm at that place where I wanna make sure everything is under the authority of Jesus Christ. And when I find those little rebellious places in me, which still unfortunately exist at time, that pocket of resistance, what I do is I bring it under the authority of Jesus Christ just as quickly as I can because I have found that things that I hold on to, things that I think that I know better with are always the thorns and snares in my life. But the places, even though it might be painful, the offerings that I give God are the things that are most blessed. As the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 68, God is good and he does good God's will is to enrich your life, to lead you in his good ways and his good will, to prosper you, to fulfill his promises to you, to love on you, to bring you joy and adventure and to fulfill the desires, the good desires of your heart. The more you trust and entrust to him, the more exciting and revolutionary your life will become.
0: In life, we will be called to entrust and trust the Lord with people, situations, and circumstances. We will have to exercise faith and say, not my will, but yours be done. But that can be hard and difficult. So we must remember we are not alone. God is with us, and He can be trusted. Abraham's servant prayed when he was faced with an overwhelming task, and God answered him miraculously— Today, God is still working and answering prayers as we seek His will. May God give us the ability and strength to trust Him so that we may believe and walk in faith. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at discerning the will of God as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.